Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Boy, it's getting a little chilly outside, so jump on in with me. I'll kick the heater on. Buckle up. Let's ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, winter wheat planting is now wrapping up. If you drive around the country, you can see those brown fields starting to turn green as that wheat crop makes its way out of the ground. However, USDA's crop ratings on this new wheat crop aren't really all that good. We'll check those out to kick off today's show. Plus, we'll look at the cotton ratings. It's just the opposite story. We're looking at the highest rated cotton crop we've seen in about 17 years. That story coming up as well. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When the pandemic hit us last year, a lot of agriculture events got swept off the calendar, including the 2020 Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show. Well, the happy news is this year's show is a go. I'm James Hunt, and on Texas Ag Today, we'll give you a little preview. The state's largest farm organization is making policy preparations for the upcoming Texas Farm Bureau Annual Meeting. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. The cotton harvest on the South Plains of West Texas is now a steady day-to-day process for farmers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Winter wheat planting is quickly wrapping up here in Texas with 79% of the crop now in the ground, according to the latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report. That's a few points ahead of the average pace for this time of year. But the early quality ratings of the crop don't look all that great, according to USDA's Brad Rippey. Looking at Texas, one of our drier spots right now, 46% of the crop rated very poor to poor. That's up from 32% a week ago. And that's a big number, 46%, nearly half of the Texas wheat crop rated poor to very poor. 37% of the wheat rated fair, only 17% rated good to excellent. Meanwhile, we're seeing just the opposite for the cotton crop. Rippey says this is the best U.S. cotton crop we've seen in a very long time. We're still looking at the best rated cotton crop this time of the year since 2004, 17 years ago. Currently rated 62% good to excellent. That is down two percentage points from last week, 5% very poor to poor. That's down a point from last week. Here in Texas, our cotton crop rated 58% good to excellent, 38% fair, and only 4% rated poor to very poor. Harvest now nearing the halfway point, 45% of the Texas cotton crop now out of the field. 
We had some decent rain move across much of Texas last week, but it wasn't enough to keep drought conditions at bay. Despite recent rains, drought continues to expand across Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, at the beginning of the week, 24% of Texas was suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's up five percentage points from last week. The board reports that although some areas received rainfall in late October, the rain missed many of the drier areas of the state. Only a few areas of Texas remain free of drought or abnormally dry conditions. They are Central Texas, the coast, and Northwest Texas. The Texas Water Development Board says we should expect to see continued expansion of drought on their next weekly report. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The United States and European Union have announced an end to the trade conflict over steel and aluminum tariffs, and that's welcome news for agriculture. The U.S. will not apply Section 232 duties and will allow duty-free importation of steel and aluminum from the EU at a historical-based volume. In return, the EU will suspend related tariffs on U.S. products. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval welcomed the news, saying farmers have been swept up in the turmoil as the EU clamped down on agricultural exports like orange juice, butter, cheese, pork, nuts, and many more. The Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show is back this year. James Hunt has a preview. Yes, the annual Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show is November 30th through December 2nd at the Amarillo Civic Center. And it's been a long time coming as last year's show had to be canceled due to COVID concerns. Nikki Jones believes enthusiasm for the event's return will be high. In my experience relaunching a few other large trade shows, after having a year off, people are really excited to return to normalcy. To return to an event they usually look forward to as a major resource for their businesses. Nikki Jones is the marketing manager for Idea Ag, a division of the American Farm Bureau Federation that manages four major ag shows around the country each year, including Amarillo's. Jones says there will be about 400 exhibitors at this year's Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, giving people in agriculture the opportunity to learn about products ranging from tractors and other heavy equipment to tools, buildings, parts, seeds, and much more. Of course, a key element of every Amarillo Farm and Ranch show is the abundance of producer education sessions. Danny Nusser is the regional program leader for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. AgriLife plans a Tuesday meeting oriented toward grain producers and a Wednesday session for those on the livestock side. There is a large number of folks that attend the Farm and Ranch show. Some of them need and see you. Some of them want to hear some topics that are being addressed. So we try to provide a little bit of variety there. So that they can have an opportunity to hear some speakers or topics that they want to hear. Other groups like Texas Wheat Producers will also be offering education programs. More about those in later reports. But in the meantime, you can get a full rundown of Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show information at AmarilloFarmShow.com. Once again, that's AmarilloFarmShow.com. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state's largest farm organization is making policy decisions ahead of their upcoming annual meeting. Gary Joyner has more. 
I'm in Waco with the Vice President of the Texas Farm Bureau, Mark Daniel, who just chaired the State Resolutions Committee of the organization to talk about policy potentials for 2022. Mark, what was the mood of the group? What were some of the topics that uh, had the interest among the farmers and ranchers? You know, we had a lot of great discussion. We talked about livestock and property rights and taxes and the issues that get surfaced by these counties that they're all really good personal stories and things that come in. And we have great conversation amongst these subcommittees and it goes before the main committee and and like always what we pass here goes on to the state convention put before the general body and get voted on one more time before it goes in the book why is it important to hear from the grassroots leaders in a process like this well that's our base organization everything we do starts at the grassroots and that's how our organization functions and that's how we're going to keep it what happens next with the ideas that were approved by this committee the, everything that was passed here today will go on to the state convention in December in Corpus Christi, and we review all these and before the general delegation, and they get to vote on it. You address both state and national issues. Yes, we did, and uh, same token, we, we try to match up a lot with what the AFBF focuses on, and you know Texas don't always agree with what goes on nationally, but we, tr- we try to align our thoughts and, and be a bigger force in, in agriculture. A lot of concerns about a, a growing Texas and maybe interest in Texas property by both state and interests and even foreign interests. Foreign ownership of our property and our businesses was a was a big topic. We will be discussing some, some future policy that's going to come up at the state level to address some of these concerns. That's Mark Daniel, Vice President of the Texas Farm Bureau. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The cotton harvest on the South Plains of Texas is rolling ahead right now. Tom Nicoletti has an update from the Lubbock area. We go to West Texas now, and Eddie Griffiths is standing by with uh, a report on the, the harvest of the cotton on the South Plains. From our last report till this report, Eddie, uh, what's the change? Well, cotton harvest has started to be pretty steady here in West Texas, Tom. Still lots of producers trying to stay ahead of freezing temperatures and uh, get harvest aids put out to make to ensure that every bowl on that plant gets open so it has an opportunity to run through the machine and see if it makes the cut to make it inside the basket and to the gin. But for the most part, producers have been juggling trying to harvest cotton and stay ahead of it with the uh, harvest aids, try to get that crop out of the field. We've been fortunate. The uh, weather has been clear, so if the cotton crop has been ready to be harvested you've been able to get that done because humidity levels have been low and lack of moisture has made it possible to uh, get quite a bit of this crop out of the field but there's still a whole lot more left to go the heavy irrigated crop in the area probably there has not been as much of it come out of the field yet just because of the maturity of, of some of those bowls trying to to go as long as possible but we're getting to that point where it's really not going to make any difference. I don't know that you're going to get any more maturity out of that crop. You know, this past week we were seeing temperatures still 85 degrees, almost summer or spring-like conditions where that crop could still do something. But now we're seeing temperatures at night get into the lower 40s or upper 30s and then highs of 60. So probably that cotton crop's done about all it's going to do. Thanks for your report, Eddie. Thank you, Tom. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking waterfowl hunters to help prevent the spread of invasive species. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
And there's a new respiratory disease treatment on the market that combines an antibiotic with an anti-inflammatory. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors, we are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you've used Draxin in the past to treat calves for respiratory disease, there's a new formulation of it coming out now that includes that antibiotic with an anti-inflammatory. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. Draxin is an antibiotic that has been on the market for several years, and now Zoetis has added an anti-inflammatory to the injection. Draxin KP is the same antibiotic as Draxin, but the KP has been added, and this stands for ketoprofen. Ketoprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, which is in the same class of drugs as aspirin or Advil for people, and it is indicated to treat respiratory infections and reduce fever. The thought on adding the anti-inflammatory is by reducing fever, the calves with respiratory disease will feel better and start eating and drinking sooner. The label on the drug, as far as organisms susceptible, is the same as regular Draxin, and it is approved for calves with respiratory infection caused by typical organisms that cause this disease. It is indicated to be used in beef steers and heifers two months of age and older, beef and dairy bulls and replacement dairy heifers. It cannot be used in reproducing animals over one year of age, dairy calves, or veal calves. With the addition of ketoprofen to Draxin, the label has changed somewhat in that it does not have the metaphylaxis label, so it cannot be used as a mass treatment of all incoming cattle, but is designed to treat specific animals when they are sick. It also does not have label claims to be effective against pink eye or foot rot, as does the original Draxin. Dr. Jess Hendricks with Zoetis indicates at Drovers.com that the medication did an excellent job at reducing fever at the six-hour post-treatment mark. Injection site reactions, which is a concern when treating calves, were reported to be very mild. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking waterfowl hunters to help stop the spread of invasive species. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is urging waterfowl hunters to clean, drain, and dry their boats and equipment in order to prevent the spread of invasive species like zebra mussels and giant salvinia to unaffected lakes in Texas. According to the department, 
These steps are important to protect Texas lakes, recreation, and native plant and fish species. Aquatic plants like giant salvinia can hitch a ride from an infected lake to an unaffected lake on waders, decoys, a boat, and or a boat trailer. Even a small fragment of the invasive plant can cause an infestation in a new lake, doubling in size and acreage in less than a week. Giant salvinia forms thick mats that can block access to the lake for boaters, swimmers, and anglers. It can outgrow and replace native plants that waterfowl depend on for food and habitat. Zebra mussels, which have microscopic larvae, multiply and spread rapidly. They litter shorelines with sharp shells, impact recreation, harm aquatic life, damage boats, and clog water intakes. And once they become established in a water body, they're nearly impossible to eradicate. They can now be found in 33 Texas reservoirs across six river basins, as well as in river reaches downstream of infected lakes. To prevent the further spread of these invasive species, be sure to clean, drain, and dry equipment like your waders, decoys, decoy bags, marsh sleds, boats, and boat trailers. A video on how to do this is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's YouTube channel. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a higher trade once again in the cattle complex on Wednesday. Also saw nice gains in the cotton market. We'll take a closer look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The strength continued in the cattle markets on Wednesday as we saw a higher close again for both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up $1.70, $131.65. The February up $1.42 at $136.65. April live cattle up $1.25, $139.42. Feeder cattle higher again on Wednesday. November up $1.60, $159.17. January feeders up $220 at $159.22. The March up $215 at 160.15. Cash fed cattle market seeing the trade pick up here at the middle of the week. We saw some sales out in the country at 128. That price of course here in the south in Texas if you look up north they sold cattle on a live basis as high as 130. The online fed cattle exchange sold on Wednesday. They had one group of cattle sold. Those were Texas cattle and they sold at 128.50. Boxed beef was higher Wednesday. The choice up a dollar thirty-two at two eighty-eight seventy. Select up a dollar fifteen, two sixty-seven twenty-eight. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's a glass of iced tea and a livestock market operator report from the Coastal Bend. Let's talk to Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers. Riley, how was your regular Monday sale? 
I had a good day. Ended up with 1,439 head, handful of pears from 750 to 1,200, a handful of uh, bread cows, probably 30 of them or so, 675 up to 1,100. Packer cows, like we talked, a little higher, 60 to 68 on your high-yielding cows, 56 to 64 on your breakers, 22 to 48 on your canners, uh, high-yielding bulls, 84 to 90, low to medium-yielding bulls, 70 to 84. Your two to three-weight choice steers, 150 to 184, heifer mates, 126 to 148, three to four-weight choice steers, 148 to 174, heifer mates, 120 to 142, four to five-weight choice steers, 136 to 162, heifer mates, 122 to 140. Five to six weight choice steers, 130 to 154, and heifer mates 116 to 138. Six to seven weight choice steers, 128 to 144, and their heifer mates 118 to 132. And the seven to eight weight choice steers, 126 to 138, and heifer mates 112 to 126. Good. What do you know for next week? A couple pretty good drags of calves coming. There's uh, about 100 charlets coming, a little over 100 charlets coming from one place. Um, another guy's got about 100, a little over 100 cows. There'll be some bred cows and a few pairs on them. They're just kind of young to middle age uh, crossbred cows. Uh, another set of about 50 Brangus calves I know that are coming. So uh, should, I don't mind, kind of like this week, 12 to 1400, somewhere in that range for next week. Riley, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. 361-786-2553 is the office. Cell phone 361-813-6650 and uh, webpage liveoaklivestock.com. Neighbor, thanks so much for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've been your host, Larry Marble, and I'll host you again tomorrow. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher. December hogs up a buck seventy at seventy five ninety five. February hogs up a dollar forty seventy eight fifty five. Class three milk was lower. November milk down nineteen cents eighteen twelve a hundredweight. December milk down twenty five at eighteen dollars even. The cotton market rallied again on Wednesday as we continue to flirt with that one twenty level. We're heading back towards it once again. Traders anticipating a strong export sales report to come out Thursday morning, and that helped to move the market higher as a result. December cotton up 157 points, closing at 118.82. March cotton up 161 points, 115.44. The December 22 contract up 44 points, closing at 92.60. The grain markets moved lower on Wednesday, both corn and wheat pulling back after a nice run-up over the last week or so. We closed with December corn down 9 cents, 5.64 a bushel. March corn down 9 at 5.72 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat closed lower on Wednesday. July Kansas City wheat down six and a half, seven eighty-three and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down six and a quarter at seven eighty-six and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas up twenty-three cents, five seventy-eight. December crude oil down three eighty-four at eighty oh seven a barrel. The financial markets were higher Wednesday. The Dow up 100 points, 36,166. The NASDAQ up 159, 15,809. The S&P up 30 points at 4,664. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at TexasFarmBureau.org or TFBRadio.com. 
Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.